You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf. And welcome to the Win Win Podcast. This is Ben Wolf, as always, your host. I invite everybody to pause, stop, leave a review, comment, like, follow, subscribe, whatever it is that you are allowed to do on the platform on which you are listening to or watching this to make the content available to more people. And with that, I want to get into introducing our topic today that we're going to be covering, which is creating metrics without stakeholder input. Creating metrics without stakeholder input. That is what we're going to be talking about today. Our guest who's going to be teaching and talking about this topic is the founder and CEO of Atomic Revenue, which is a revenue operations and enablement firm. Uh, she is an international speaker. You can learn more about her and her business at atomicrevenue.com. And with that, I give you Tara Kinney. Welcome, Tara. Thank you, Ben. It's great to be here. Well, my pleasure. And I'm glad to reconnect with you after a long time and have this conversation, uh, which is uh, which is a good one. And it's always kind of like a push and pull, uh, you know, and not only with metrics, but also with goal setting and all kinds of other things and process uh, development or documentations, all kinds of areas where this sort of general topic can be applied. So I'm very interested to hear your perspective on this and hear your stories. Um, but I guess first, before we get into that, if you could give us a quick two minute background, a little history on how you got to be where you are now with this business and and maybe even a little context behind uh, which, you know, we can understand the topic we're talking about today. Sure. Uh, well, like most entrepreneurs, I'm probably a little bit of a rebel, a little bit of an outside the box, always pushing, thinking, trying to find problems to solve. And that's how we end up as business owners or business leaders working with teams. I often get asked, you know, how are you so confident about this project? And I want to learn how to do that. And my answer is usually, I don't know how to do it, but I'm confident in my ability to do the research and find people who can help us do it. And that's the level of confidence that I need. You know, when I think back to all of the past roles that I've had from working in engineering firms, I don't know anything about engineering, but I would sit and write about engineering all day. It didn't deter me. Mm -hmm. You know, didn't know about a number of roles and opportunities that I've had in the past. And all of those things have led me to where I am today, where a lot of businesses, entrepreneurs, leadership teams struggle with the same things. It does not matter what your industry, is it doesn't matter your sales cycle how large or small you are there's this element of buy-in of the people who need to do the work that you mm. want done is a step that we miss uh, lots of times we're moving fast we're trying to solve problems in a hurry and i've learned through the school of hard knocks that solving the problem but not bringing others along for the journey creates problems in the rollout of your solution. So right. that is the foundation of this topic. And it's a core part of my uh, Vistage speaking that I do. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, so, so, so let's get into that. I mean, maybe you could start and help us make the problem concrete before we start getting into advice or solutions about like, what's a story or a couple stories of, of where you've seen people, um, you know, developing KPIs, measurables, scorecards, et cetera, without the buy-in from those who actually provide the data or those who use the data, et cetera, other stakeholders, like what's happened? 
right. Tell me a story. You can hear this in most sales organizations who say they want me to fill out all of these data fields, but that's just administrative work. That's not helping me accomplish the job that they hired me to do. Yeah, I've heard that. They don't understand why they have to fill out the information. And one of the organizations that we helped had 96,000 records in their Salesforce instance. And every salesperson was using Salesforce differently. So when it came to what's working, what's not, where are we, how are we forecasting, there was a lot of manual work and uh, all the records were broken. There was no process that the team was following, regardless of a written process that the organization thought they should use. No one had bought into how performance was being measured. So therefore, no one was putting in the data that provided the KPIs that leadership wanted, management wanted, or even that the sales reps could value in forecasting their earnings on commissions. And I think that's really where creating buy-in, what is the benefit to all of the stakeholders in a process and mm. in the data, then we will provide the data. Um, we have another client that is part of why we always diagnose before we try to fix mm -hmm. the problems that a client brings to us. But they said their problem was lead generation. And mm -hmm. we said, well, let's go in and diagnose all of the factors and see what the opportunities are. And they said, we have 401 KPIs. We know it's lead gen. If we had more leads, we would have more revenue. We could close more deals. Well, that makes sense on its surface, right? but staying true to who we are, we went in and diagnosed to find out that 47% of completed sales applications never made it through the onboarding process to onboard onto the platform. So do you need more leads? Probably someday, but not until you fix that 47% of your closed deals don't go into onboarding. And at this organization, every department had KPIs. They had so many KPIs mm. that everyone was watching all of the wrong things, but their data was siloed by each department. And therefore the business was not succeeding regardless of how much data they had and that each department was tracking the information for the KPIs that they didn't know why they were tracking. They just knew it was part of the process that they had to do it. Right. So. Oh my gosh. So, 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 so backing out a little bit, a little higher view, what, what happens, I guess, what happens when you don't involve the people who are using data or um, need the data or provide mm -hmm. the data or whatever, like what, 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 what are the things that are going to happen and, and what should people do about it? And what should people do differently when they're developing whatever their metrics, KPIs and scorecards are? Cause they don't want to fly off the seat of their pants. I mean, they want to use data, but what's the right way to create it? Well, the first understanding is that all data has a technology component that is served by a process that people have to execute. 
So okay. looking at data alone without understanding where the data is stored and where you pull it from, the process that puts it there, mm. and the people who execute that process, you will always have distrust of the information. So from a leadership team perspective, it's hard to get that deep in the operational weeds to see that something you want to measure has impacts across so many areas of operations. Um, and if you say, uh, agree as a leadership team to a new KPI that you want to measure and you know what technology it goes into and you say, all right, teams, now we need you to put this data into the system Lots of times the leadership teams don't know what process that changes and how many parts mm. of the organization are connected to that same process. So implementing the data strategy can actually break something else that was working well. Do you have any examples of that? That's an interesting point. Yes. Um, so there is a leadership team that I have worked with before that wanted to be able to better forecast uh, what types of sales opportunities were coming in through the lead generation pipeline. And so they um, put in a lot of technology updates through the IT department to integrate the inbound data sources with the sales CRM. Mm -hmm. And ultimately what happened was the management of the optimization on the sales ads became driven by how those flowed into the system. So we stopped maximizing the value of every advertising dollar and started paying attention only to the conversion into the CRM system. Mm -hmm. And we created another blind spot because we had a team now that was measuring and managing a data point as part of their process that they had no experience measuring or managing and they were now responsible for it. So what happened over time and it was gradual. So we don't mm -hmm. recognize these things in our organization. Right. <laughs> they stopped doing the things that they were really good at because they were focused on this new directive that was outside their zone of expertise. Right. And not related to their responsibility for managing their budget and the performance of the ads. So when we pull our team members in their process into another stage of the business, who is covering the process that they used to do? Mm -hmm. And that's usually one of the biggest areas that we uh, find challenge. Uh, you know, when companies do these big investments to improve, it's usually around a technology improvement. And those big investments are pulling opportunity, are pulling resources and opportunity costs from somewhere in right. order to do the new part of the business. Right. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, you know, and I really appreciate what you said before about kind of like the three things that must all be taken into account and none of them left out when you are trying to consider what data you need to be collecting or in starting to collect data, which is the technology that's going to be used to do it, the process that's, you know, the people are going to follow to do their job, which also will create that data. And then the people who are going to be uh, doing the things that create that data. So 
yeah, I guess. So tell us a little more about how, what is the right way? Like what's an approach that business owners or leaders could take to, you know, to start getting data that they need? Like how should they approach that, that, that kind of outcome the right way? So for starters, we want to involve all of the stakeholders So identifying a challenge that you want to solve, bringing the stakeholders who are involved or attached to that challenge in for a conversation, even if they are not able to contribute and don't believe that they have data knowledge, they know the process and they Mm -hmm. know their daily workflow. So as the conversation unfolds, they are already bought into and part of the process before you roll out the change. Uh, There is uh, a lot of challenge around leadership team agreement on what needs to be measured, but lots of times those conversations are happening in a boardroom or a conference room separate from the people who actually do the work. Right. And if we ask the people who are doing the work, they might have the best recommendation of how to solve a challenge. You know, for example, one organization was trying to figure out how to reduce the amount of damaged freight that was being okay. delivered to customers, very high-end um, products. And so they were talking to packaging, they were talking to the product development team, and they were advised to bring the loading dock worker um, into the conversation. And there was huge leadership team resistance to bring the person who loads the truck into the conversation. But (laughs) ultimately they did. And what they discovered as a recommendation from that person was we always load the most valuable, most expensive products first, which means everything else is loaded after them. And they are always rubbed up against, Uh all of the other products. If we loaded the most valuable, highest end products last, they wouldn't be rubbed on by everything else that we put in the truck. Right. It was a very simple process right. that moved a really significant data point for the organization, which is how much product replacement and damaged product right. goes out into the market. As a leadership team, we could have identified five or six different KPIs to measure and still wouldn't have gotten to a process change that impacts the number because we never involved uh, that person. Right. That's a great, uh, that's a, that's a true, that's a truly great example. Uh, How do you, how do you bring in these people? I mean, like, I I guess at what stage in the process, what is, what does this look like in real life? Yeah. Most people in any organization want to add value. They want to do a good job and they want to be part of making the workplace better for them, but also where else can I be of value? Um, So bringing them in early when you identify that this department, we're working on developing scorecard for your department or we're working on evaluating some of the data points that are impacted by the work in your department, we'd like you to come in and give us your opinion. Many of these people have never been asked for their opinion. And 
they sit at the table nervously. So there is a facilitation aspect of mm -hmm. involving people and making sure that they feel comfortable to participate. However, once you get people talking, the solutions often reveal themselves to the leadership who is no longer in the measurement conversation as the drivers of a solution. They are listening for the solution mm -hmm. and learning about their business at the same time. It's really a great mix. So bringing them in early. Um, the other thing is creating agreement on the problem or the reason for the measurement. So one organization that we work with is a home service company and they were transitioning to the third generation and the third generation leader talked to everyone in the organization and there was 100% agreement that the largest impact to profitability was windshield drive time of the technicians. However, that is our business. We've always done that. We can't do our work if we don't Wait, drive. What, what is windshield drive time? What does that mean? So home services, the technicians have to get in the van and drive to someone's house to go deliver the service. So unanimously across all departments, all levels of the organization, people would agree that the largest cost of delivering our work, the greatest impact on profit is the amount of time that technicians are in the van driving between sites. Okay. And regardless of understanding that that was the greatest issue, it was written off as that is part of business. That is what we do as business. But the new generation said, I would like to make process improvements and change our profitability by impacting this drive time factor. It's the only other place. We cannot compete on price anymore. It is the only place where we can improve our profit margins and we all agree it's an issue. So to get leadership team alignment around that issue, there is a specific path to accomplishing a KPI that everyone will believe in. In this case, grandpa said, grandson, you don't even know the business. I don't, what business do you think you're taking over? They have to be in the car driving you know, to a site. Dad says, Maybe we picked the wrong kid to take over this business. This is a ridiculous exercise. <laughs> and the son says, uh, let's get everybody around the table and hire someone who can help us figure this out. And I always tell people that once you've identified the problem, the next step is to determine what benchmark you would measure improvements against. And General Patton comes into a lot of my conversations where perfect is always the enemy of the good in data. Mm -hmm. Your data will rarely be 100% perfect. But if we can find a good benchmark that we can all agree to, then when we make operational improvements or process improvements to drive change, we can measure against the benchmark. So identifying the benchmark, in this case, we came up with drive time as a percent of revenue. It is a KPI that is unique to the problem being solved. It's not in a textbook. It does not matter. That is what we need to measure as an organization. Drive time. Wait, what does that mean? Drive, drive time, time is like the raw number of hours for all vehicles in the fleet? So cost of drive time as a percent of revenue. Cost of drive time. Okay. Yep. 
So we how do you determine cost of drive time? Like you, you just take the number of hours of drive time, assign it a monetary value, multiply it by that monetary value, and that's the cost. Oh, this is like hours of conversation. Okay, fine. That I'll, sounded I'll, just... just like that, Ben. You are such a leader. <laughs> <laughs> so in order to get everyone to agree on how we're going to measure this, we had to first talk through what are all the factors of cost. We have right. the vehicle costs. We have right. the maintenance. Yep, with uh, maintenance. The people's and salary, you know, benefits, So the CFO taxes. says, <laughs> I have all the vehicle costs and they're already segmented. I can measure vehicle cost. And then we got to labor and through the conversation of big debate and several people throwing up their hands and saying, this is impossible. Why are we doing this? Um, they determined that you can use the free mile IQ app on the technology devices that are provided by the company to the drivers to determine the number of miles driven and even the time it takes to drive those miles is in the app. Hmm. That was a very inexpensive solution. Mm -hmm. And then um, they already knew the average technician hours and everyone agreed that there's not enough of a difference that will just take the average. So by making some concessions and saying it's not perfect, but it's good enough to create a benchmark, do we all agree with the accuracy of the data sources and with the math that we have chosen to calculate this KPI? And before we ran the numbers, and this is critically important, Ben, before you run the numbers, everybody has to agree that these data sources and this math is going to be providing our benchmark. Because if you run the numbers first and find out that 22.3% of every dollar you make as a company goes to drive time of technicians, you might want a different math equation. You might want to rework those numbers because 22% of every dollar earned by the company is a really big number to swallow. So it's critically important that we identify the data sources, identify what we're measuring before we do the math to determine the benchmark. And then you can bring everybody in. This is the number and set a goal. So what is a reasonable goal? And this company set a goal for 7% gross margin improvement, measuring against that benchmark over a three-year timeline. And they got everybody in the organization involved. So everybody's mission mm -hmm. was to improve profitability by 7%, and we're going to track it and share it as an organization. And in two years, they had 3.7% profit improvement without measuring anything else. However, mm -hmm. if that team had tried to develop the KPI and measure it, before everyone was on board, we would have been in two more years of arguing right. about what the actual number is. <laughs> we wouldn't have made any progress on improving profits. Right. That is uh, that is super great. And I love these stories too, just because it really, really makes it practical and real. Now, when it, when it comes to um, revenue operations, marketing, sales, et cetera, you know, I know that uh, Atomic Revenue, right, is the name of your company. So, the when you think, when you talk about, do you see a special place or any difference in how this concept of involving all stakeholders before you develop measurables and KPIs 
is that does that have a particular relevance or a different kind of relevance to revenue operations? It's a foundational part of effective management consulting and effective leadership. So we do a lot of fractional leadership work as well as just fractional subject matter expertise. If someone needs to do a big technology project and it's going to take two quarters, they might not have people in-house to do that work. So we can provide a fractional expert who can come help them through a new technology rollout or a new process implementation. Um, and so in that capacity, if we do not create buy-in, we are going to meet a lot of resistance. The timelines are going to take longer and it's going to be more expensive to accomplish our work. Mm -hmm. So almost all of our programs and solutions are built with the diagnose phase to have a dual purpose. One is to involve all of the stakeholders and get their buy-in early. The second is to ensure that when we deliver a plan, all of the stakeholders hear their own voice and suggestions within that plan so that they are committed to implementing it. Mm -hmm. and, and does then, that sometimes involve explaining to people like, you know, look, like uh, we, you know, we heard what you said about this. We heard what they said about that. We ended up landing on this because, you know, because we waited this this way or whatever, just so that, the, you know, even if some things were rejected, they see how it was at least taken into account rather than just assuming, oh, they ignored what I said. Yeah. So operations is such a big topic <laughs> and it's really broad. And it's also the not the sexy part that everybody sees. You know, they're interested in what are the sales reps saying and what does the trade show booth look like and what are our ads and the operations in the back end that connects it all and makes it work is not the first thought on anyone's mind. So it has right. to be a dedicated initiative, a dedicated conversation. And there is so much meat and breadth within the topic of operations that everyone sees something that they said represented and mm -hmm. multiple things that they said not represented. Mm -hmm. However, when it's presented back, it's presented with the lens of subject matter expertise that was hired that um, worked hard to engage them in the process, heard them and people just want to be heard, and then aligned everybody to a shared objective and plan. And at the end of the day, while people are glad to achieve what they set out to do, which is how can I get more customers through my business pipeline, how can we serve them more efficiently, manage our cost of sales better? What are we missing in labor to acquire and serve our customers? Even though all those questions get answered, lots of times the feedback after a project is more, we didn't think that we could tell our boss what we really thought when it contradicted them. But mm -hmm. you gave us permission to do that in your process and we were heard, and now we do that in meetings, and we all have better outcomes. Right. That's a leadership. I mean, lots of companies buy a leadership consultant or a management consultant to accomplish that, but we've learned that in our work, if you don't achieve that push and pull and tough conversation at the start of a project, 
you will have it after the rollout when the tough conversations are about resistance to the change and lack of buy-in to what my new job responsibilities are now that you hired this consultant. Yeah. Yeah. There's so often so much pain around that. You, you know, you kind of develop this huge new CRM, you got to get everyone using it and people don't want to use it and they want to use their own spreadsheet or their own little free CRM that they signed up for. And, uh, you know, and then, you know, and then it's just that resistance and fighting. And it's just so many months, I guess, of fighting to get adoption, you know, that probably could have been time and energy and goodwill and, and bad will that could be saved by involving all those people much earlier on in the process. And a lot of CRM rollouts are done through technology initiatives not sales initiatives, or they're done through sales initiatives without considering all of the other business impacts of the CRM. And so when you don't take into consideration how the CRM ties to marketing and how it reports data to leadership and how it serves the needs of the salespeople beyond what they're doing today, but what they could do in the future, then you end up with a CRM that cannot produce the amount of return on investment you were expecting. It doesn't have the buy-in and nine times out of 10, they get replaced in a very short term period because once those other stakeholders get involved, you realize the system selected was not serving the needs of the entire operations. Right. That's always a heartbreaker because once you've spent all the money and done all the work to put in a CRM, now you have all of the um, bad will, all of the despise of a failed system that a new system that will be built properly, that will serve the needs of all the parties is already viewed in a negative light. Right. No, just another, just another passing fad. We tried CRM. It doesn't work for our business. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. No, this is this is great stuff. Really, really appreciate this. In terms of, uh, in terms of, you know, developing KPIs, metrics, changing things, c- considering the trifecta that you spoke about of what are the processes that this keys to, what are the people, and involving those people, even frontline people, uh, and. Uh, you know, and, and, and what's the ultimate objective and what's the technology that is going to be used. So really, really appreciate this. Very valuable information. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. My pleasure. I appreciate you making the time and for everybody else. Uh, I'm glad you were able to listen to this and we'll see you on the other side. Thank you. You're listening to Win Win, an entrepreneurial community with your host, Ben Wolf.